Welcome back everybody for our third spring session video. Reminder, my name is Mike. We're grateful that you're here with us. Thanks for sticking through. Uh, our first day, we spent time looking at Jesus's parable of the sower. There are four types of seed. He's explaining the way that our faith grows and the things that can keep it from growing. Our second session together, we started talking about distractions. Like practically, what are the things in our lives that can keep us from knowing God better. And a lot of times we might think that there are these bad things that you put on a list, but in reality, the biggest distractions, the most dangerous ones, are good things that God has given us and blessed us with, but that we're misusing. So today, we're going to kind of put that stuff to the side and talk about just growth. What does it look like to actually grow in our faith together outside of the really cool stuff happening at camps and youth group and church? The reality is that when we go away to camp, when we come to church on a Sunday morning, when we do any of these things with our church family, it's an exciting time. Like we're with others, we have this thing in common, we're growing, we're having fun, we're laughing, we're maybe getting in a little bit of trouble, but that's healthy, right? But the truth is, that's a really small part of our lives. And if we only live out our faith in those moments, the majority of our lives are going to be a little dry. And it's going to make those moments harder and harder to come by. Uh, and so our growth has to happen while we are on our own so that we can grow even more when we're together. So when we think about plants and seeds and the imagery that Jesus has been using and my own obsession with trees and plants, I have to admit something to you. I have always wanted to be someone that is just the plant man. I, I wish my apartment could just have greenery all over it. Just everywhere you look, it's beautiful, it's aesthetically pleasing. But the truth is, I'm terrible at keeping plants alive. I waste probably close to $100 in plants a year. That's a little bit of an exaggeration, but I buy plants and they die. They look good for about a month and then I do something wrong and I really try to do the research. I try to keep them alive and I just can't, I don't know what's wrong with me. I blame PKF, it's when I go to Surf City for a week, I come back, they're all dead, I don't know. Plants are harder than animals because animals will whine when they need something but plants, they just sit there and in one moment they're like, hey, I'm doing great and the next moment, <laughs> dead. But plants take a lot of meticulous attention and effort to keep alive things that I'm still learning about, um, as you can see from the different examples of plants from my own home. But uh, there are certain things that plants need. This is common to almost all plants, trees, etc. You need sunlight, you need water, you need good soil, you need good air. But the trouble is that certain plants need a lot of sunlight and a little bit of water, and other plants need a little bit of sunlight and a lot of water, and some plants if you put any water on them, they're just so angry at you, they just decide to die on the spot. But you notice plants in the wild, they find a way to live no matter what. You put them in your apartment, they always die. But what's true is that plants need a lot of intentionality to keep alive. And the difficulty is in our own lives, our faith, it doesn't just happen on accident. It takes effort, it takes time, it takes intentionality on our parts to cultivate growth in our own lives. We grow together, but we also have to strive to grow when we're not in large groups of people, when we're not out at church. And right now, 
In 2020 of March, we are in a weird time where things are not normal. We're not necessarily meeting every week as a church right now. We're not meeting in person as a youth group. We are not having the same kind of routines that we've always had. And so growth might be a little strange right now. It may be difficult, but we still have to strive for it. We have to be intentional about it. So Jesus, uh, we already looked at the parable of the sower. I want to look at another place where Jesus is using this growth plant imagery, and it's from the Gospel of John in chapter 15. He starts talking about uh, Jesus, his relationship with God the Father, and his relationship with us. And it's this kind of threefold thing going on, and it's some beautiful imagery. This is John 15. Jesus is talking to the disciples, and he says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch that bears no fruit, While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it back so that it can be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a person remains in me and I in him, He will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus is giving us the formula for what it means to be fruitful in our lives, what it means to grow and to thrive, not just survive as a plant. As you saw, some of my plants, they aren't even surviving anymore, but some are hanging on, and one of them is actually thriving. So what does it look like for us as Christians to grow and to thrive in our faith? Jesus gave us the formula. He said he is the vine. He is the the source of the nutrients, the life force, and the gardener is God himself taking care of it. But we're the branches. And I think the struggle for a lot of us is that we strive to grow on our own time, on our own way, or we do it so sporadically, kind of like me with eating a serving of broccoli, thinking I'll lose a pound, or watering my plant once every two weeks and thinking it's going to grow and thrive and look beautiful and make me look like I'm really outdoorsy. We have to continue to consistently pour into our own lives to to seek out ways to grow in our faith or we will start to wither away. So the question is, how do we remain in Jesus? He said that that's where the growth happens. We remain in him, we abide in him, And that's when growth occurs. That's when life comes forth. But how do we do that? So one of my favorite authors ever, and if you talk to me for more than five minutes, you'll figure this out, is C.S. Lewis. Now, if you've never heard of C.S. Lewis, he's the guy that wrote The Chronicles of Narnia. Um, He wrote a couple other, well, a lot of other books, uh, but Mere Christianity, The Screwtape Letters. He's written a lot of stuff, and he's awesome. Let's talk about him. But one of my favorite things that Lewis has ever written is this short little essay called Meditation in a Tool Shed. And then basically Lewis talks about walking into a tool shed in his backyard. And when he gets in there, it's so dark and clammy. It's an old tool shed. There's a hole in the roof. You know, it's leaking. It's just gross. And he can't find this tool he's looking for. But he notices this beam of light coming down through the roof. And he starts looking at the beam of light, and as he looks at it, he can see through it, right? He sees the wall behind it, he can see the stuff on the table behind it, and he notices that's where the tool is. But then as he is thinking more about it, not only does he see the stuff behind the light, he's seeing dust particles floating through the light. 
which is always kind of gross, right? You're like, oh, that's beautiful. Wait, there's that much dust? Gross. You should be cleaning your house right now. But then Lewis, he goes over to grab the tool, but as he does, he steps into the light. And he has this moment and he looks up at the light. And as he does, he's looking along it. And he sees through the hole in the roof and he sees a tree with some leaves. He sees the blue sky and he sees the sun. And Lewis reflects on this idea of in our Christian lives, there's a difference between looking at the light and observing it from afar and looking along the light, seeing things through the light itself. And in our faith journeys, a lot of the time, we are content with stopping at looking at the light. We go to a camp, we go to youth group, we learn all of the ways to describe this light. We learn how to describe our faith, to talk about God, to think about God. But we spend very little time actually doing life with God, actually abiding in Jesus the way that he called us to, actually spending time with him on our own. If you were dating someone and they only ever wanted to hang out with you when you were in a group of people, it's probably a red flag. It works for a little bit. It works for sometimes. It's really healthy. But if that's all that your relationship is, you'd be like, er, why don't you want to hang out with me alone? The relationship with God, if it only thrives when we're with other people, if it's only functional when we're at church or we're at camp, if that's the only place it happens, then there's only so much growth that can occur. When Lewis is talking about looking along the light, he's saying, let's step into this life with Jesus in a way that helps us see the world in an entirely new way. When we talk about looking at the light, that's an important thing too. Both of these experiences are important, but we can't ever confuse talking about prayer with actually praying. We can't confuse talking about loving our neighbors with actually loving our neighbors. Growth happens from intentionally doing things in our lives for Jesus, but also with Jesus. A lot of times we, we use the quip, like, what would Jesus do? The question is really, what is Jesus already doing? What is he inviting you to do with him right now? We talk about camps and mission trips and things that we want to do, and we want to go do this great thing for God, but God has stuff for you right here, today. Maybe you're in your bed, on your couch, you're going for a walk. There is something that God has for you in this moment that he is reaching out, calling out, seeking you out, and he's waiting for you to respond. The question is, how will you respond? And that's why for each of these days, we've had many little practices for us to do because these are things that draw us closer to God. They get out of the theoretical, out of that looking at the light phase of describing things, and it's into the practical. What do we do? How are we trying to seek God out through our actions? Um, because those are the formative moments. You can read everything there is to know about a sport, know every statistic. You can buy all the expensive gear to look like you're a great basketball player like I did in middle school. But at a certain point, you actually have to be good at playing the sport. You actually have to go do the thing. And if you're not doing the thing, people are going to start to go, are you actually a basketball player or do you look like a basketball player? There's a difference. Jesus says we know a tree by its fruit. The question is, what are the fruit that we are producing? Because all of us struggle. We've all been different seeds from Jesus' parable at different times in our lives. We've struggled with questions and doubts. We've struggled with circumstances that 
make us lose sight. We've struggled with the suffocating situations we might find ourselves at work or at school or in our relationships, or we might have found ourselves in good, healthy places. But Jesus is giving this parable back in Matthew 13 about these four different kinds of seeds because he wants us to think about where are we right now? It's not about where you were six months ago. That's great. But it's about where you are today. Where are you in your journey now? And so the practice for today is a little different. We did breath prayer. We did some prayer journaling. But today we want to do something more hands-on. We want to talk about acts of hospitality. So today, the way we want you to connect with Jesus in a more realistic, hands-on way is to do an act of kindness for someone that you're going to interact with today. Now, I know this is weird. You're in quarantine, probably, uh, social distancing, all that stuff, six feet apart, you know, who knows. But you have some real opportunities. There are people in your house that you could probably be doing something for. But even if there's no one around you, you can do something virtually. You can send a note. You can send a letter. You can make a phone call. But the, the goal here is to do something that shows that you are actively thinking about someone else other than yourself and that you're doing something that is meaningful for them. Maybe it's helping clean stuff up around the house. Maybe it's helping prepare dinner. Maybe it's surprising your parents or your friends or your siblings that you usually don't get along with, but you're going to do something really nice for 12 seconds just to show that you are putting them first. Or maybe it's sending that, that word of encouragement. Maybe it's letting someone that's anxious know that you're praying for them and that you're not minimizing their fear, but that you are with them if they need to talk about it. Hospitality is something that draws us closer to Jesus because that's what his entire ministry was. He was feeding the hungry, he was caring for the poor, and he was spending time with the people that society had forgotten. When we're cooped up at home, we start to go insane, but there are opportunities for you to act hospitable to those around you. So think about that and do something today, and maybe even every other day. And check back in tomorrow for our final session.